Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Chevalier and I'm here with Kim Yaris and Eve Miller. We'd want to welcome you to another episode of Research Conversations. Today we are talking about goal setting. I think it's fair to say we all have some opinions about what makes a good goal and some experiences about what was a good goal or what wasn't. Um, and yet, as a general rule, we are not all that great at keeping the goals that we set. <laughs> all right, even Kim. Take a guess. What percentage of people who set a New Year's goal actually accomplishes it? Okay. As someone who has set many a goal, I am going to hope that it's low. I want to be <laughs> low, less than 10%. Um, I think I'll go a little bit higher than that. I think I will go, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go 20%. 20% of us keep our New Year's resolution. So the researchers at the University of Scranton did a study and found that only 8% of people actually do achieve their New Year's goals. So that means 92% of people don't achieve them. And a different study suggests that most New Year's goals are already abandoned by January 15th. Like they don't even make it to the third week. So on today's episode, we are going to explore goal setting to understand what goes wrong on our path to achieving goals and how we can use this knowledge to model goal setting effectively to help teachers and students learn to set and achieve their goals. Okay, to that note, I will say that as we were preparing for this episode, I came across a simple definition of a goal that really struck me. And this is what it said. A goal is a desired outcome or target that motivates individuals to take focused action. There are two elements to this definition that I think we lose in the reality of goal setting. The first, of course, is that our goals are supposed to excite us. That's so true. I mean, how often do we groan when we talk about, okay, well, maybe not all of you, but I know that this is a thing, right? Like how often do we groan when we talk about a goal we've set? Like, oh, I have to get up at 6 a.m. to run because of this crummy goal, you know, <laughs> it, it's like the goals are no different than other have tos, this reactive way of living life, right? <laughs> yes, so, so true. Um, you know, and maybe it's just as important as the second thing that struck me in this definition, which is focused action. I think, uh, I think the, the term goal setting is appropriate for a goal we create in our mind that doesn't go any further than that. Um, but when we're talking about reaching goals, however, don't you think it's better to call it goal achievement? <laughs> hmm. I, I actually love that, Kim. When Eve mentioned groaning about a, the fitness goal she chose for herself, what <laughs> yeah. I thought about was how much worse people's attitudes are toward goals that feel imposed upon them by someone else. Yeah. Like, let's consider students' attitudes toward their progress monitoring goals, which are generally determined by some um, progress monitoring software program. Let's get real. Students are likely to, not likely to feel super pumped about goals that are imposed on them. You know, and I would, I would add to that, that the same goes for teachers, right? So for example, I think about the goals of improving standardized test scores um, that teachers are asked to meet. You know, in fact, in many places, a teacher's performance review depends on the number of students that pass that test, regardless of how a student benchmarks at the beginning of the year. 
So I think it feels pretty fair to say that education is filled with goals that are set by others and enforced through sticks and carrots. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right, Kim. I mean, in the education setting, unfortunately, it is often like this. And while the intent behind the goals is likely to be good, the goal setting and execution processes we use in the field could certainly be improved by applying best practices from research so that we hone in on what really works. Well, I mean, Jennifer, most things are improved by research. Well. Um, <clears throat> so goal setting, or I mean, uh, goal achievement, let's go with that, is <laughs> perhaps one of the most important for its ability to shape students' brains, uh, their learning outcomes, and ability to achieve meaningful work in their lives after high school, right? They're, it all ties together into this idea of goals and goal achievement, so jumping in with a question for both of you, can you remember a time as a child when you achieved a goal, going back to kind of that student mindset? I mean, so it doesn't matter how big or small for, you know, this question. Okay. I see both of you nodding your heads. No. Okay. What do you, re <laughs> what do you remember? Uh, yeah. What do you remember? I remember being in high school and National Honor so Society became like my be all end all. Um, like I wanted to wear this at, you know, the sash at graduation, you know, um, I wanted the recognition, uh, of being a good student. And so, um, I guess my process was figuring out what do I have to do to be able to do that? Um, you know, and I think that I was on track with the grades and stuff, but I had some work to do with like community service. Um, I had to amp that piece up in order to be a fair candidate for National Honor Society. That's a good example. And I got thinking about a goal that was kind of forced upon me. I was nominated by a teacher in high school to go to something called New Jersey Girl State, where um, two juniors in high school were sent um, to this Girl State session at a college in the state, um, two girls from every high school. It felt like millions of girls were there. I'm sure it was a couple thousand girls. And the point was to teach us about the political process and how to get elected for different positions. Um, and while I was flattered, I was nominated. I was like, all right, like, I'll just go to this thing and whatever. And so I just sat back and I watched people running to get elected for dog catcher and like the low level, um, base level, like political things that you can be elected for. And as I got watching, I got thinking about the people who nominated me and I thought, wow, I'm kind of letting them down. And then I also watched the people giving their speeches to get elected. And I was like, I think I can do better than this. Um, and so suddenly like something just grew in me and I felt like I should go for it. So I ran for Senator, right? Governor was the highest office you could go after. And then there were two senators um, and I ended up getting elected as the New Jersey girl state Senator the year I was there. And that's kind of ironic because my great grandfather on my father's side was a U.S. Senator for Michigan. So I always thought that was kind of cool. Oh, well, yeah. that is an interesting fun fact about you, Jennifer. Well, yeah, indeed. And, um, both of your experiences, what you remember about them and this goal that you had, however it came about, whether that was something you were 
naturally motivated towards within your school or you were put into the situation, but then you found something that was really motivating to you. It really speaks to one of the most powerful research theories on goals. And it's going to sound like it doesn't connect for a moment, but it's called hope theory. So now when we think about hope, just pausing there to recognize the different beliefs about hope, what's the word that comes to you? So yeah, here's another question. <laughs> what is a word that comes to you and pretend you don't know anything about hope or hope theory, because <laughs> I know both of you do, but like before, you know, these discussions started, what is, what's the word that would have come to you when you heard the word hope? Optimism. Front and center. Mm. That's the first word that comes to my mind. Nice. Jennifer? And for me, it's like aspiration, like a vision for the future. Yeah, those are great. And I think the word I used to think of was probably close to optimism and aspiration. It's, it was a peaceful feeling too, right? Like I kind of felt this peaceful, kind of excited feeling about how things would turn out. So hope is actually a cognitive ability. It is a way of thinking, but it's also a cognitive ability. And because it's a cognitive ability, it is something that can be taught. It is something that we learn by doing. And when it comes to goal setting, it is, as one of the researchers in this says, it is the wills, the will and the way that we reach our goals. And in fact, 40 years of research on hope have found some fascinating things about hope, like its overlap with executive function skills, like achieving goals, self-efficacy, and grit. This is interesting, Eve. I can tell you as an educator, I never learned about hope and the role it could play in education. Did you learn anything about that, Kim? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but I can definitely see how there's a, this missing element between helping students learn to set a goal and actually achieving it. Um, I feel like that was an everyday reality of the classroom. So if hope theory offers answers, I am certain there are many educators out there who are going to be, who are there saying, tell us more, tell us more, please. I completely agree. And when I first came across hope theory, actually in reading a Brene Brown book, St. Brene, I was blown away by this idea and it stuck with me ever since. And so in this role, I learned more about it. And so for those of you who don't know about it or don't know how in the world this applies to goals, let's just do a quick overview of hope theory and then go deeper with it in our discussion. So for this high-level overview, there are three key elements. First is the goal. And um, it is like I'm in this one place and I know where I want to go. It's that aspect of hope, that future thinking, there's the destination. Second is pathways is what it's called. It's the I know how to get there. So not only do I see this place I want to go, I know how to get there. Um, which we'll be covering in more depth, this pathways idea on the next episode. And then the third piece is agency. The, I can do this. That is critical belief um, that you have about your ability to reach the goal that you have. So those are the three major elements of hope and they are in this cycle. So they all build on each other. You can build to be more hopeful. 
Eve, as you just described those three key elements, I imagine the goal as like a destination, the pathways as the roadmap to know the route and to track your progress. And then agency is maybe like the gas or the electricity or the subway fare, depending on your mode <laughs> of transportation to actually move you along the pathway. Is that accurate? I love that metaphor. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great way to it. And I really like the map as a way of thinking about pathways because it recognizes that there is always another way or almost, right? Always another way to reach your destination, which is a critical element that we will talk about in the next episode. But I love the map. Hmm. Or given the goal, if you know you have the ability to get there, you are not as worried if you need to change your destination to better fit where you may really want to go. Yes, I love this. Yes, absolutely. So what's powerful about this theory to me is the importance that I hear you saying that it puts on process, right? Um, and it makes me think back to this book that I read, Atomic Habits. And in that book, he focuses on systems over goals. James Clear, the, the author, talks about athletes and he talks about how they all have the goal of winning, right? However, there are always winners and losers in every match. Um, and he put that in the context of the um, British cycling team who had previously lost the Tour de France, and then they finally went on to win it. And he says that it wasn't the goal of winning that propelled them to the top of the sport. They always had the goal. It was the system of small improvements that they made along the way that helped them get that prize that they were going after. Mm, yeah. That's a great takeaway. We were talking at the beginning um, about how students in school and adults in the workplace are frequently told what their goals are, right? Those like forced goals. Within the hope theory system, there's a way to work within the limitation of those forced goals to find motivation. When we focus on the process of reaching a goal and not on the goal itself, we can find that motivation. Right. Because we don't always get to choose our goals. I that's a really great point. Um, I'd love, I'm like trying to apply that um, to like education and how, what that looks like. Do y'all have like examples that you can bring in? Sure. So let's say, for example, a student needs to improve his or her math grade to a C by the end of the term in order to graduate from high school. The goal is set for the student because of the graduation requirements. Agency, which is a part of the HOPE theory, points to the importance of giving the student choice in how to pursue that goal. This doesn't mean all choices are on the table, right? Like they can just automatically get an A in the class without doing any work. We're not saying that. But we can give the student opportunities to find a system that works based on individualized strengths and interests. For example, you could invite the student to share some ideas and then offer some suggestions like staying after school three times a week for tutoring or practicing online from home 90 minutes a week. When a student has a choice in creating the pathway to the goal, motivation increases along with agency. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think that choice is the thing that always changes everything. Um, and that brings up another piece, our strategy within Hope Theory, um, which is future thinking. Um, so you could work with a student or a teacher or anybody who wants to achieve something and 
ask them to start imagining their future. I did this with um, some teachers that I worked with when I was working as a literacy coach. At the beginning of the year, I asked them to imagine that it's June and they're talking about what their students had accomplished as readers. I imagine, what would they be saying? What would they be saying about their students? Um, and as they were responding to this question, um, it was like their goals around literacy crystallized. And so without any input from me, they were making choices about what to prioritize. And incidentally, what they were prioritizing is exactly what I would have suggested that they prioritize. Yeah, I love that. That makes me think about like in our brain, when we are doing this future thinking, our brain really does start to build those pathways um, and think about how can I get there? What are the barriers and what are the challenges? So as long as to what you were saying, Jennifer, we're thinking about barriers and how to overcome them. I, I just see so much power in these simple ways of helping students think about choice and how that choice um, can really help them to start imagining possibilities that are grounded in actions that they are going to take towards the goal towards reaching it. So it's really powerful. And I think there are quite a few additional strategies that um, have been provided by researchers on this that are online. And we have gathered some of these um, that we are going to be including in the notes of this episode. And so, for example, one of them is about writing hero stories. So when a student has gone through something very difficult, which every student in your classroom has, <laughs> and in your schools have, if you're an administrator, um, it helps them to, to look at that difficult experience and see how it built their agency and how they found a pathway through it. Like it might not have been the original pathway, but that is hugely profound for a student to be able to reflect on through this guided activity and see that they we're building what they need to now be able to apply that to the future. It's in them to be able to do this. So we will have those in the show notes. We recommend you check them out. Yep. So stopping on that note of pathways, which is where we will pick it up in the next episode. Um, this seems like a really great stopping place. So we want to send a thanks out to all of you who are joining us today. Um, and you know, we've already kind of hinted at what we're talking about next, which is planning ahead. So if you want to be the first to find out about that up upcoming episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And so we will see you again soon. Thank you.